This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark, and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What is up, my friends? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. This is episode 53. Man, I I don't know. You know, this is going to be another short intro. I don't know what's going on with me. Uh, Monday was was fairly fairly short, uh, even though the episode was great with Natalie Sisson from The Suitcase Entrepreneur. And today's episode is great with my friend Alan Branch. Had him on the previous iteration of The Gently Mad and was glad to have him back. But I, I there's just I don't have much to say right now. I don't know, you know, it's for 50 episodes, uh, I've been able to ramble on in these intros for 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes, which is ridiculous now that I think about it. But the last few episodes, it's just the the well is empty, folks. There, there I just, I there's not much, uh, not much going on to talk about, to tell you the truth. I mean, there's a ton going on. There's a shitload of stuff going on. We're having a new baby, and that's you know, that's crazy. Uh, there is just all kinds of stuff going on with work and business and this product and this new show and all this stuff. But I, I I don't know. I'm not like, uh, I'm not like, uh, you know, I need to be depressed to have stuff to talk about. (laughs) It's always been that way. It's like, uh, when I'm depressed about something, then, you know, when I was in a band, that was when I wrote the best stuff, played the best stuff. Uh, you know, when I initially launched this show, I was at a fairly low point. And I, I don't know, there's just always something to say when I'm depressed, when I'm when I'm not feeling super depressed. I, there's just there's not much in here. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm meant to be depressed. I don't know. So it, it's going to be a short intro. Um, I do want to say thanks to those of you who have been leaving reviews and stuff like that, uh, and donating to the show. That stuff helps. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to do this thing because I, I'm kind of feeling like after, you know, these 50, 60, you know, I've got a bunch of episodes still recorded. You know, I've got enough to get me to around 70 episodes or so, but I'm feeling kind of like I've I've said what I needed to say, so I'm not sure how, how I'm not sure what the future of the Gently Mad's going to be. I've gotten a lot of emails since I I mentioned that a couple episodes ago, saying please don't quit the show, you know, and and that's encouraging. I'm I'm glad you guys are liking this thing, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't have uh um I, I'm just feeling kind of empty lately, but. I do want to say, as I said, thanks thanks to those of you who have been leaving reviews. I've got a couple new ones. One is from Veronica Rodriguez, who says, 
The Gently Mad is a great show about podcasting and entrepreneurship. I appreciate Adam's candor and honesty when speaking about his own experiences and interviewing others. Uh, another one from Sagwa Joe. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these correctly. iTunes iTunes usernames are the worst. It's like I, I can never figure these things out, but but I do appreciate it. So uh, Sagwa Joe says, as a constantly self-doubting entrepreneur, Adam's ramblings and his carefully called interviews with his guests are one of my favorite things to listen to as I pull all-nighters working on my business. Thank you for existing. Well, thank you, Sagwa Joe, for existing and telling me that. Uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, the last one for today is from uh, Parrot. Parity, parity, I think is how that would be pronounced. And parity says, Adam Clark is a raw, real human being coming from an authentic place. He struggles, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he tries, and that's what I love about him. I'm hooked on the Gently Mad because it's not a leveling up your levels to the next level kind of show. It's a real show about a real guy trying to make life work. The Jordan Cooper episode and the one with his wife are great starting points both provide a look behind the A.V. Clark empire. Keep up the great work, Adam. I'm hooked. Well, thank you again for the reviews. I appreciate that. I'll link up uh, the episode with Jordan Cooper and the one with my wife in the show notes, uh, which you'll be able to find at avclark.com slash 53 if you want to uh, check out those links. Uh, I'm really glad that you guys are listening to the show. It does. It does mean a lot, but I feel like I've got to, I've got to change something up. You know, as I said, I, I feel like I've I've said a lot of what I wanted to say. I've talked to a lot of people that I wanted to talk to. There's still more people that I would like to talk to, but I feel like the show has got to go in some direction other than where it's going right now. And I don't know what that is. Uh, if you guys know and I'm just too blind to see it, then email me and let me know <laughs> so I can know what the hell to do here. Because I'm not quite sure, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, I'm just not. So uh, that's what's going on with me today, Wednesday, April 8th. So I hope you're having a good Wednesday, having a good week, and making progress in whatever it is that you're trying to make progress in I feel very progressless lately, not making much headway. Just it feels like it's a, a at this point with my wife's pregnancy and the doctor's appointments and, you know, all the stuff that we're just, you know, figuring out. Like we just had to get like three different kinds of insurance and all this stuff. It just feels like every day is just putting out fires. Every day is just, you know, dealing with one situation and then. Moving on to the next situation, just a lot of urgent, loud things right now that have kept me from feeling like I'm a, I'm progressing and making some sort of, you know, difference in the work that I'm trying to do. But that's not really what this episode is about. As I said, I had my friend Alan Branch on the show. If you don't know Alan, then just sit back and prepare for an entertaining conversation. Alan's a great guy. He is the co-founder, co-owner of Less Accounting, which is the best accounting software in the world, I think. I've used it for quite some time. But he's just he's just a great 
uh, guy beyond beyond that. I think what I love the most about Alan is that he's able to let work be work, and he doesn't seem to be defined by nor obsessed with his work. And he can just let work be work and still have hobbies and go have fun and enjoy spending time with his family and live his life. You know, I really have a hard time doing that. I, I, I'm kind of very obsessed and feel defined by my work. And Alan's not that way. And I wish I was more like that. And that's why it's so much fun to talk to him, even if it's just to get an update on his latest hobbies, because he has quite a few and <laughs> some of them are, are, are pretty interesting. So we get into all that in the conversation. It was a good one. I think you'll enjoy it. I had a lot of fun talking to Alan, and I'm glad he was able to take the time to be on the show. So that's it. That's all I've got for you. As I said, hope you're having a good week. We'll be right back with my conversation with Alan after this brief word from our sponsor. Mad is sponsored by Harvest. Harvest is a business tool for time tracking, beautiful invoicing, and generating reports. I've used it for many years myself, and whether you're a freelancer or a large team, Harvest has you covered. I called up Danny Wen, one of the co-founders of Harvest, and issued him the 20-word challenge. Give me a Harvest in 20 words or less without any buzzwords or you know industry speak if you will <laughs> i'll try my best you know it's uh <laughs> it's been a while since i've been doing this but um okay so harvest uh at, at its core is a time tracking and invoicing and now time planning application so uh we help um Anyone in professional services, uh, people in consulting and design and development, uh, really get a hold of their business, know where their time is going, and also bill for their time and get paid for it. So in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do. Cool. Except that was like 100 words. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's been a while, man. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. So maybe Harvest can't be summed up in 20 words, but it's an amazing tool and it's probably the number one thing I could not live without in my business. If I had to cancel any of the handful of monthly services that I use, Harvest would be the last one to go. I love it, I use it almost every single day, and as a designer, it's a delight, an absolute delight to use. So go to getharvest.com and sign up. Your first month is already free, and you can get 50% off your second month by using the promo code TGM. Again, that's getharvest.com. And thanks to them for sponsoring the Gently Mad. All right, folks, I hope you're ready. Hope you're ready for this entertaining conversation with Alan Branch, a.k.a. the Ron Swanson of the Internet. Seriously, he's a very funny guy. Very fun conversation. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Alan Branch. You know, I know you publish a lot of ebooks and, and you make a product and everything, but you think in your head, 
well, I know all this stuff. How hard is it going to be to make some videos or write it down? And, and yeah. then you get into it, and it's even if you know it, it's still really hard to do. Yeah, distilling any sort of uh, big thing down to something digestible, super hard. And then anything that you're good at, it's hard to write about too, because it just comes in mostly naturally. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, like, you know, Hank Aaron doesn't say like, you know, Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron's guide to hitting a baseball, hold a bat, <laughs> watch the ball, make bat connect to ball. Right. No, it's Run just the bases. The thing is, when you know something, too, is it's like um, that was my fear at first is I'm, I'm making this stuff and I'm like, this is common sense. Everyone's got to know this, you know, and then I found, you know, halfway in that actually no, not everyone does know this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so that was my first thing is, is going into making a product is it, it, the first couple weeks of outlining it, it ballooned into this massive thing that would never possibly be able to be completed. Yeah. And, and I realized, okay, I've got to scale back, but I was afraid to do that. Cause I was thinking I scale back. I mean, everyone knows this stuff though. So how can I make a course about this stuff? Cause everyone yeah. knows this, but then I realized that everyone doesn't know that stuff and it's perfectly fine to make a course, you know, about the stuff that maybe I know well, but that the average person doesn't know. Oh, I think you could, I mean, I don't know what the course is. I mean, I bought it, but I don't know what all you're going over. But like being someone who's never done a podcast, I don't even know how to submit things to iTunes. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like, and like, where do I upload it to? Do I upload it to SoundCloud? And then yeah. is there some sort of integration? I don't know. And like, do what do I like? What's a good mic? And then, like, what do you record with? And then, like, so, yeah, like all, all that kind of stuff is well. Like, I guess that's that's good to hear then, because yeah. you know, my course definitely covers all that stuff. But uh, I worried in the beginning that again, like, that's all, you know, just common sense stuff. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not, you know. But I guess that's how it is. Like, how is it for you when you? Because you, you, you actually, how many ebooks have you written now? Like a billion. Yeah. No, like, like, uh, like there's seriously, five or six or something. I don't even know. It seems like there's quite a few. But yeah, we're doing, we're always writing something. But when you have as much articles as we have, a lot of them is just regurgitated blog posts. Yeah. You, you, I've, we've written like over a thousand blog posts in the past eight years. And so you can group them together like, like oh, these, all, these 12 are about invoicing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> these twelve are about sales. Yeah, uh, and then group them together, lace them together with you know something that makes sense. You know, blah blah blah. Now you got an ebook. You know? Yeah, and like I'll retweet some old article. What's always funny is like some article that like uh, I tweeted out like years ago, and I'll retweet it, and it'll be like people will be like, "Oh, I love the article you just wrote." And I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, the article's like super old. <laughs> so over the eight years, were you are, are you the one that wrote all those articles? Mainly, yeah, I, it's ninety percent me, and then Steve. Steve comes in periodically and writes stuff that he feels drawn to write. But I, I write. Uh, you know, Steve feels when he writes, he, it's because he feels strongly about a topic, and I write for that's, that, and then marketing too. That's how I write. I, I can only write when I feel like I've got shit to say. You know, yeah. and it, it happens about once a year or so, and yeah. I. Feel, that's why I say I've got about four good articles in me a year because about yeah. once a year I'll feel overwhelmed with various thoughts about business or whatever and it's about four articles worth but then you know i'll write the first one and then i'll have the idea immediately for the second one and i'll start to think finally i'm becoming a blogger yeah. you know and then after the fourth one it's like 
nothing to say now, you know? Yeah, but so it's not that you don't, you, your, your medium of content creation is audio, right? Like to me, I, I could write an article really, like, cause I get questions all the, ask, all the time asking me like, uh, how do you guys collect it? Or when you guys do current trucking, like how'd you collect invoices or, you know, what is a yeah. you know, demand for payment letter? And I, those kind of articles I can whip right out. You could probably talk for an hour with somebody about like best practices with proposals via yeah. a podcast and no problem, right? Me, yeah. I would be like, uh, 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 the whole time. And it would yeah. sound terrible, right? So it's just your 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 paintbrush is, is a, it's a different paintbrush than mine. Well, know? and that's what I've come to accept, that it's, uh, it's okay that like I just, I was thinking about it the other day, or not the other day, like a month ago or so. I was really at this point where it's like, um, can I really not blog? Can I just podcast? Is that okay? Because yeah. everyone does... Everyone seems to do blogging and podcasting or just blogging. And it, it doesn't seem like many people who, you know, at least make a, a big success of this content marketing business do it with just a podcast. Unless you're talking about someone really famous like Mark Marin or whatever, you know, but that's a different situation. But yeah, I came to accept that, yeah, I can just podcast. I don't have to write as well, mm-hmm. but um but yeah, so for you with the writing, like, I don't know, how many times a week do you publish articles? It depends. Uh, we have an editor that, that grammar checks me and stuff, and he always gets mad because I'll send him like 15 articles in one re- week, and then like I won't write for like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it, it comes like, uh, it'll it'll come like really during a week where I don't want to, I want to be left alone. Yeah. Um, like I'm just kind of tired of talking to people and I want to just sit and drink coffee and just knock out articles. Um, that's usually when I write, unless it's an article that's like really ins- I want to write because I want like I'm feeling like I really need to talk about this topic. But most of the topics that we write about aren't like, ooh, I feel really like I should write about like subcontractor agreements right now. I'm really feeling strongly about contracts, you know. Yeah. Uh, so most of them aren't uh, highly inspirational topics. They're really just factual and, and helpful primaries for people. But so, uh, do you so. like collect? What what is it? Do you do you like uh, collect all those ideas like throughout yeah. the day or whatever? And then a week hits you, and you're like, I'm going to pump out all these ideas I've been thinking about. Is that what happens, or yeah. is it? It is okay. Yeah. No, I have um in my Google Drive or Docs folder, whatever they're calling it now. I have like subfolders that are like, um, anytime I have an idea, I just create a document and I'll title it, you know, whatever I feel like the topic should be and maybe write a couple of notes. Yeah. But I have a folder that's called like half written and then like ideas and then like waiting for editing and then like deployed. And, yeah. uh, and so like as, as, and I use those folders as like, God, I hate when my computer rings. Um, <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah, it's okay though. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll like, makes it uh, makes it feel more natural, man. Yeah. It's like it's like a com- just like a conversation, you know. That was my aunt uh, calling me about the beekeeping lessons we're going to be taking. The beekeeping <laughs> course. Are you so, serious? Yeah, man. I'm going to get some bees. Yeah. Dude, I, I we've got to get into this stuff because like you you do, okay so you you do the you have the whole business the less accounting thing but you also like make go karts and you make lamps and now you're gonna be like beekeeping <laughs> I mean what what is it is there any is there any connecting point to all of your interests uh I don't well yes there is it's all sort of stuff that most people would be like oh that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I like things that are like not necessarily I don't like skydiving like dangerous things dangerous but like 
uh, people will be like, oh, why do you want bees in your backyard? Like, yeah. because you don't want bees in your backyard. That's why I want bees in my backyard. <laughs> They're like, well, why? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I don't know. Like, well, but I mean, how do you come up with, I mean, I mean, are you, is seriously, that's the metric? It's like, what would some people think is weird? And I'll do that. I mean, do you really uh, think that? Well, no, I, um, the go-karts, I just, I, I didn't have a go-kart growing up. My parents were always like, you're not getting a go-kart. It's too dangerous. Yeah. And so my kids got to be like seven. Uh, Jimmy was like seven years old. I was like, this kid's getting a go-kart. <laughs> and so I, you know, learned about go-karts. They're really simple. It's just a little motor and like a little brake. Yeah. And uh, my my dad has a welder. He owns car washes, so he has a few extra welders. And he taught me how to weld. And so I just built a go-kart. And then I built a couple more. And I'm working on another one right now. But uh, I have one for me. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, it's like probably yeah. the size of a car. <laughs> well, I have a four seater, and that one is literally the size of a car, but it's not for me. Mine is the one I'm bed for me is like just extended eight inches. Mm-hmm. And I look like I don't even know what the character is, but the guy from Mario Kart King Konga or yeah. something, <laughs> yeah. whatever the guy's name is. Uh, that's what I look like on it, but it goes like 35 miles an hour, which feels like you're going to, you know, a hundred. That is, that's pretty fast for a go to go car. Yeah. Especially like a consumer grade braking systems. And when you have, when you have 365 pounds on a go kart, it it doesn't really want to (laughs) slow down. (laughs) No, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, so what, where, what is the whole, like what, uh, why the, um, like what made you go, I'm going to go figure out how to build a go-kart instead of just say, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy a go-kart for my kid. Oh man, that's a great, uh, uh, great question. Uh, I don't know why, but I will why that I wanted like, I don't know why, but I will say that, uh, I used to be really curious. I was a very curious child and I was homeschooled until high school and I kind of, and, and that's when I started playing football. And I kind of lost a lot of curiosity when I went to public school and I was like forced mm. to learn things. Yeah. And then football kind of drove it out. And then football in college kind of drove it out. But when I hit the computers, kind of at the end of my football career in college, I was introduced to Photoshop. And I was like, that was kind of the first time at HTML. And I remember when I saw HTML and I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that when I type this here and click publish, I can see that on the internet. <laughs> I know. All right? I, I, I had like, the same feeling. Yeah. It was mind blowing. I'm like, I can make joke websites for all my friends. Yeah. Like, some is a dummy.com, you know, <laughs> just stuff like, you know, it was more of a joke thing. But uh, I, I'm getting that curiosity back. The past 10 years, I've kind of gone back to just being like, wow, how do they do that? And wanting to know how they do things. Yeah. Um, but I lost it. Maybe that's normal to, for teenagers to be like, I hate learning. Uh, and in my early 20s, I was just like, I hated learning anything. And then uh, now I don't know, though, I'm I'm really curious about like your thing, because like I was homeschooled. Well, actually, I went to school through like third grade or something like that. And then I was homeschooled the rest of it. And and I've I've never lost that. um, Well, yeah, yeah, I've never lost the curiosity. Unlike you, I probably I would love uh, here's here's where it is for me. I would love to build a go kart, but I have none of the tools and I feel like I just have none of definitely not the time to do it but but the curiosity to do it is absolutely there and i'm really interested in that whole because like my kids are in school because you know i just know my wife and i we're not the i I don't think we would survive homeschooling at the moment maybe someday but 
But it also frustrates me because I've heard your story a lot. You know, obviously I have issues with our educational system, but um, what was it that like drove the curiosity out of you? Like, do you think it really had to do with like if you'd been homeschooled through high school that maybe you wouldn't have lost that? I don't blame like all public schools. Like, I think I was a uh, snotty nosed little jerk. Uh, one Uh, and I really loved uh, the fact that I was really awesome at football which pumped my ego up even more and I you know forced to learn in public school and didn't really need to learn anything and it wasn't until I was like 20 coming out of football met my future wife and was like wow I gotta like you know I can't play football forever I gotta learn some things (laughs) Uh, and that's it was kind of all the kind of the same timing of like seeing HTML and being in the art department and being like, I'm nerdier than these artsy kids. Yeah. And uh, more business savvy than the, the artsy kids. Did you go to uh, college? I did. I went to several colleges and uh, well, I'm like six credits away from having like two degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I don't yeah. have anything, but uh, yeah, I'm like literally credits away. Yeah. What now? See for you. Okay. Why is that for me? It was because when I went to college, I just I just filled up my semester with whatever I was interested in that semester. And yeah. so I went through four years with tons of credits of all kinds of random stuff, but nothing that added up to one degree. You know what I mean? Right. I changed school three times and I actually have credits from like four or five different colleges. Hmm. I would go to like uh, the community college here locally and take courses in the summer. Um, but I just took uh, whatever my college uh, advisor told me to take. And didn't like any of it. And uh, a lot of the credits didn't transfer. Hmm. Uh, And then I finished up with like an applied science program in in Gainesville, Florida. And and those, like none of the math classes, I had to retake like a basic Photoshop class, all that kind of crap. So I have. Why did you change schools so many times? uh, Playing football, I changed schools, uh, went to a bigger school uh, to play football. And then uh, I quit football my, my, uh, my junior year because I didn't see my future in it even though I was playing. Uh, so I don't I, know I, how I, that doesn't make sense though, because I was trying to find some information on you and I Googled your name uh-huh. and it says that Alan Branch is an American football defensive tackle for the New <laughs> England Patriots. So I was going to say congrats to you. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I didn't yeah. know that you could do that on the side with less accounting, but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's a, a guy. He went to Michigan, uh, <laughs> university of Michigan and then plays for somebody now, but he's, uh, a different skin color than than I am. Yeah, but he looks. I mean, that's what I would imagine you would look like if you were black, basically. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he, he's slightly more athletic than I am. Yeah. slightly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, probably makes just a tiny bit more than I do. A little uh, bit. Okay, uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, no, I played football in college and stuff, and uh, I was good at it. I wasn't a great college player. I played in a. Uh, a small division one school, but just realized that wasn't the best and, and there wasn't a future in it. But and did you, is that what you best. wanted though? Like, did you think at the time, like maybe no, I could go I, all the way with this? I hated football. I hated football. Really? When I played it, I just played it because I was really, really good at it and uh, got all the accolades and played in the all-star games and was recruited all over the place, but uh, only played it because in the South, when you're large, everyone just assumes you're going to play football. Yeah. And uh, that was just normal. And I played all the other sports growing up, but I was bigger than most of the coaches when I hit about 12. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so they're like, you're going to play football. And my cousin played college football at Arkansas and uh, played a little bit with the Dallas Cowboys. So it was just kind of expected of me to play football. Uh, but I hated it. I was in, you know, 
Latin Honor Society and Art Club and Art Honor Society. Uh, I didn't like football. Football was just like, oh, all the mind games. Well, what, what, so you, but you, you kept doing it and you did it through college. You did it just because it got you praise, basically? Yeah. And, and, you know, after a while, it became like, you know, I had decent grades, but it became the, the thing that I was known for and what I was good at, too. And it's, yeah. You're good at something. It's hard to stop doing it because you're getting a lot of praise for it and it just feels good. And even though you hate it inside, you just keep kind of doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. So what was the when you were in college then, if you knew that this you were not going to do this for long, did what was the fallback? What did you think you wanted to do with your life career wise or whatever? Well, my family owns car washes and uh, my grandfather started them and my grandfather started restaurants too in the 50s. So my family had car washes and restaurants and I always thought I'd just go open up a car wash uh, or work with my dad or something at one of his washes. Um, and then uh, when I kind of found the computer, like I didn't have a computer until I was 21. Yeah. We had growing up when I was, you know, I, I graduated high school in 99. So, um, so how, yeah, how, old are you, how old are you now? I'm 34. Okay, yeah, I just turned 35. So we're the same... Like oh, the, no, no, no. You are much older than me. <laughs> we had the same 80s experience, basically. Yeah. Then We had a little Commodore 126 or 128 when I was a, when I was a kid. Nice. Um, but I didn't have a computer really until I was 21. And so when I kind of discovered that again in college, I was like, wow, this thing is awesome. And, you know, Photoshop was super cool and HTML. And so that's when I was like, maybe I could do this thing called building websites. Yeah. You know? So that, that's when I really was like, wow, I, you know, I could just kind of pursue this. And I, you couldn't kick me out of the computer lab. I would just, I would stay there until it closed. Um, so what, what, so what happened from that point to, okay, so now you're not going to do a car wash anymore. What were you thinking that you were going to be a freelancer or you were going to work for a, an ad agency yeah, or what was in your mind at that point? Well, there wasn't really, you know, 2000, 2001, at least I had never heard of like a web design company that only did web design. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, maybe there was. I never heard of them, but I, I, I thought, oh, maybe one day, I could own an ad agency and we could do like fun, silly stuff for companies. And maybe I literally thought this, like going through college, like one day I can make like sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. When, in all fairness, twenty in two thousand two thousand one. You know, I'm working at a car wash, uh, making ten dollars an hour. Sixty thousand dollars is a pretty big aspiration. Yeah. Uh, but you know, looking back now, it's kind of silly and, and funny. Yeah. But um, yeah, just a little ad agency is all I wanted to have. I didn't really think there was a. So know. so what you know so you're in college you're doing that you're thinking maybe one day you'd you'd have this weird ad agency um, and then like how how did we go from there to basically you meeting Steve and starting less accounting yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, I left college early because I get, got, a, got a job before I graduated. I left like a semester early. And um, I was doing like um, uh, flight checking on pr- flight proofing of, uh, of uh, uh, printing documents before they go to a printer. It was like a printing broker. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a little bit of design, but I kept pushing them to do like web stuff. And they were like, nah, we don't, we're just kind of doing print. Uh, now they do web stuff. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they were like, no, this web thing is stupid. Yeah. And uh, so I left them. I found a client that would uh, that would pay me like three grand to do a website. And I was like, wow, I can live like two months off three grand. Yeah. Uh, even being married at the time. Uh, and my, well, my wife worked at the, then. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I started, uh, I took the client, went on my own and uh, found a few clients and then kind of floundered for a few years making all the mistakes that every freelancer does. Hiring the wrong people, no contracts. Yeah. You know, underbidding yourself you know i remember when i bit i remember when i was making like 50 dollars an hour billing 50 bucks an hour i was like i am rich now 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've made it. I've made it. I literally remember landing my first $10,000 job and jumping, like getting on the phone call anymore. They told me I could have it. I just jumped my fist in the air. Like, what is it? Like just being like over, like I haven't been that happy since then. I don't think. (laughs) And this was a website or was this a web app or what were you into at that point? This was like 2003 and it was a web website that I was doing for like some oncology firm or something uh, in, in Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, but uh, you know, so it, uh, I, I found out this Ruby on rail stuff and hired a contractor, messed up a big project. And, uh, and I had, I had SEO and I was living in Birmingham and I had SEO for, for Jacksonville, Florida and a couple other cities around the Southeast. Um, but I SEO for Jacksonville because my sister lived there and I thought, Oh, if a client ever finds us from typing in, you know, Ruby on rail Jacksonville, I can stay at my sister's house and, and see her when, when I meet with the client. Mm-hmm. And Steve uh, had just moved to Jacksonville and was working for the city of Jacksonville um, doing, I believe, ASP, no, wait, wait, C-sharp, I don't know what he was doing. It wasn't Rails, so everyone even on, it was like some Windows, Microsoft stuff. Huh. And uh, he had he had just got into Ruby too. This is 2005 or so. And had just gotten into Ruby and they Googled Ruby on Roll Jacksonville and found me. And I, I needed him on a project, and so I hired him part-time and... Uh, we worked on the project and he kind of saved that project and made the client happy. And uh, at the end of that project, I said, hey, I got some ideas for some software. And we both kind of had the idea um, about an accounting app uh, or, ex- or really just an expense tracker. Yeah. And, uh, we started working on that sort of fall 2006, launched 2007, and the rest is history. So when you, when you had the idea for like why um, accounting, you know, you talked about like kind of you know, the art stuff that you were into and, and, you know, the various curiosities you have accounting just seems like out of nowhere. Like where did, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, my uncle's a CPA and, uh, you know, growing up my family, always, I thought it was restaurants and car washes. Yeah. He's also, my uncle's a CPA. I got lots of uncles. My okay. uncle's a CPA. <laughs> and, uh, but I grew up in businesses, you know, so yeah. My, you know, we, we used to count the money for my dad's SoulServe car wash, the quarters, you know, buckets of quarters. And, right. And so I like, uh, and the software that I really, truly enjoy building is ones that have like real uses, not like, oh, this is a, a search for hashtags on Instagram. Right. Like I like real building, real, real software. Um, and so uh, I just kind of... Um, we wanted to build just an expense tracker. I met with my CPA and uh, was trying to figure out QuickBooks. This is like 2005 or so. And my uh, accountant was like, oh, yeah, just give me your, an Excel file of all your um, expenses. And I'm like, what? That's it? He's like, yeah, I can and just have a conversation with me. We can figure it out. I'm like, that's all I need? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. I'm like, do you think people pay for this? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, instantly, just imagine me, chubby round face with a beard, and like just eyeballs <laughs> big with dollar signs. Exactly. Is that what happened? Like, did you launch to this, you know, you know, was it uh, just, as you said, the rest is history? Or was, yeah. uh, when you first launched, was it... Um, was it really tough? I mean, what was what was it like around launching that product? Well, I, I don't know if you remember in the dark days of 2007 when they called it Web 2.0. <laughs> yeah. And everything I was do. like, everything had an R at the end of it. It would be like, right. It'd be like a 
Financial Booker. Yeah. Well, Flickr. There you go. There's yeah. one that's still running. Flickr, uh, Twitter. Flickr. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we we basically uh, in 2006 we started building it and we worked on it for a few months and I started emailing like all these Web 2.0 podcasters and hey man, your Basecamp was really the only s- small SaaS app that we knew of and that was talking about sort of building a small company. And so when we read like the Getting Real book that 37 Signals put out, or excuse me, when Basecamp put it out or whatever, yeah. whatever they're called now, it was sort of like, whoa, these guys think the same way we do. Um, and so we kind of just started you know, just being their disciples and following them to off the cliff. And uh, we launched and we had like 500 email addresses in the, in the little splash page that I built. And the splash page like said, we're going to be the software like, accounting software version of like Basecamp. And it was like, you know, you know yeah. a bunch of crap. And uh, got a few email addresses. And, but it took us years to get, I'm talking about, we, we, we were working two jobs basically, building less accounting, trying to market it, doing web services for clients. And we were putting so many hours into this product that was making, you know, the, for the first few months, $100 a month. Hmm. Uh, and, and the next month, $200 a month. And like by, by year three, it was making like four grand a month. You know? Yeah. So this is years of emailing people, doing customer support, working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. And this thing not doing anything. What made you, what made you, you know, I think including myself, a lot of people would have uh, quit long before then. I mean, two people trying to build something, if it took three years to get to four grand, which still wouldn't support you, like what made, what, what made you guys so confident that, that there was, that this was going to work in the end if you just stuck it out? It's not confidence, it's stupidity. (laughs) No, I mean, the the reality is, even today, we we, we see other opportunities. Um, You're always presented with opportunities, or maybe you I I see opportunities. And and it's always this thing of like, maybe we should sell it. Maybe we should put all our time into it. Maybe we should just put it in, you know, uh, maintenance mode and just collect the money. Yeah. You know, so even now, there's never like, we've made it, you guys, high fives. Well, how many years was it until you both were you were completely working on less accounting like you didn't yeah. have to do anything else i think 2011 kind of towards 2011 okay so this was been like what was that four that was like four, four years yeah. yeah okay yeah and i i think we even took a consulting project in 2012 i mean we would take one now if someone said hey man i'll pay you you know 250 bucks an hour for you know six weeks we'd be like deal give me it yeah, uh, you know, because it's too, the money's too good not to turn down. You know, I'd love, I'd love to go buy a bigger sailboat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and, and the truth is, less accounting doesn't need our attention all the time either. So it gives us up, it frees our time up to do other things. But uh, we don't need the money, and so we just, you know, we had this consultancy. It grew up over several million dollars a year. Lots of clients, you know, a, a dozen developers and a couple designers and. And uh, meanwhile, you have less accounting kind of sucking away the resources and the time. And we just mm-hmm. kind of keep trudging on, trudging on. And uh, it, it is still, it's a trudge, man. It's not like, you know, there's no sort of like, um, rarely is there a day where we're like, we did it, man, we're awesome. It's always so what, like, did, what did you do with the, I mean, if you built up that kind of consultancy that was, you know, doing that kind of money and those kind of employees, I mean, that's a decent size operation. What, did you just shut that down at some point? We shut it down. You ever seen uh, <laughs> Kitchen Nightmare or whatever it's called? Or, yeah. 
Gordon Ramsay, shut it down. Yeah. 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 We were like, shut it down. And we just turned all the servers <laughs> off. Uh, no, we just kind of slowly upped our rate higher and higher and higher, got pickier and pickier. Um, kind of started selling the leads off from people to, to other uh, consultancies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and we may have done it the wrong way. Maybe we should have, you know, f- found someone to you know, run that part of the company. What did you and, do with all those employees? Uh, s- just slowly. They started either working on less accounting or they found, found better jobs, you know, or somewhere else. Mm, yeah. You know, we have right now, we have a developer that's been with us for like eight years. Yeah. Uh, since like the very beginning. Um, but other people, um, you know, they move on, they work on their own stuff, you know, like hired, fired, you know. How they're, many they're, people is less accounting now? Uh, there is like seven of us, seven of us, something like that. Yeah, seven. Yeah. And then there's um, uh, Less Films, which is a little video production company that has two employees. Well, yeah. two employees and like three or four contractors. Um, but they're kind of their own, their own little deal. Yeah. They so, do web explainer videos. So if you know anyone that needs a web explainer video, send them to the Less Films. Yeah, I've checked it out. It's pretty good stuff. Yes. But uh, so what did what did you mean when you said like it's still still a trudge? Like you're it's either it's still a lot of work to bring in the money, or you're just not feeling it as much anymore. Or what do you, what did you mean by that? Well, you you certain there okay two, twofold. You're always looking for the next sort of like what what will bring in the next set of traffic. What's the next marketing thing? What's you know what's the oh retargeting is this new thing now? Okay, let's talk about retargeting. Oh, SEO has changed. All right, so you're constantly having to like re uh, re up your game or you know something yeah. cheesy that you know changing. You're relearning things. You know relaunching things. So even now, it's not at a point where you could just leave it and it would support everyone indefinitely. Like you've got to constantly be bringing in new customers. We certainly, if you just stop having new customers, you you start losing people. Yeah. You have to have new people signing up. But I mean, we can live off our SEO for a few years. Yeah. We have, we have enough traffic that with through SEO that would give us enough signs to keep the customers coming in. You know, we, every app has churn. You know, churn is when customers delete their account. Right. And so if you're not bringing in anybody, you're losing revenue because you're going to have yeah. people deleting their account or even, uh, you know, just billing not going through and the cards expiring and things, yeah. people, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but but it sounds like that kind of constant, like, you know, SEOs change and, and trying to figure out new ways to find people. It sounds like you don't like you don't really enjoy that that much. Um, the, sir, I, I certainly don't wake up and like hate my job. But there are certainly times where I'd be doing rather doing other things. Yeah. Um, I, I like the challenge. I like I feel like we've been talking about this kind of for a long time. Not that I'm on this podcast, but just in general life. You know, it's been yeah. eight years in this product. And so um Whenever there's a new project to work on, it's always like, oh, it's just refreshing talking about something else to somebody. Yeah, and you know, hearing new feedback and and problems that are new to solve. You know, it's it's we're, we've been working on the same you know code base for eight years, uh, and and uh, and then the, the flip side of that is um, you have people that um, are doing they're, they're outliers and they're having apps that grow very fast, and and you're watching them and all their accolades and their money. And you're like, oh man, I could, maybe we should be doing something else. Yeah. And so you start doubting yourself very easily. I mean, I'm sure you see it. Someone launches a cereal, you know, cereal launches a podcast. You're like, maybe I should be doing crime investigation podcasts. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I am doing one. Right. You don't even know. We should come up with a crime first. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
But uh, so you're, yeah, it, you know, it's full, it, I don't think no matter what you do, there's always gonna be self doubt, and 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 as you became get, get pop more popular, you have more opportunities, or you yeah. see more opportunities. So it's always like we could have been doing this, we could have partnered with this person, or we should have done this idea, um, and so you you just kind of second guess yourself. But uh, I'm very happy, and and I'm happy just not satisfied, right? Well, what do you? That's you know that that is definitely something I'm interested in. I mean, what do you think that you would ever? Is that something that you think you could ever reach? Is that that satisfaction, or do you think you're just that's just part of who you are? You're never going to be, you know, fully satisfied whatever you're doing. I think uh, the vast majority of artists and entrepreneurs, and that probably you know those people kind of are some of us are the same people are never satisfied. And anyone that reaches a high level of anything uh, is the hardest on themselves. Uh, like you don't reach an elite level, you know, elite level of anything without beating yourself up about it constantly. <laughs> or you don't get good at it. You yeah. don't practice, right? I used to, you know, the people that are the best, like you look at like Olympic athletes, they, you know, it's not, they're, they're constantly watching game film, getting better, critiquing themselves. They want, they, they want, they beat themselves up. That's why they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. You know, people that are satisfied aren't good at anything. <laughs> they're, they're watching, uh, all the stuff on Netflix and they're perfectly happy with all the stuff that they have and satisfied. I told a friend once, I was like, you know, why can't I just be content? You know, like yeah. I look at some friends of mine and they just, they do their job and they come home and they eat dinner with their family and they're just happy and everything is just fine. It's like, why can't I just be content with things the way they are? Yeah. And my friend was like, well, I think anyone who thinks I don't remember exactly how he put it he's like I, I think anyone who um, thinks about things uh, relatively at all is going to be discontent with the world so yeah. you know it's like almost like uh, you know it's just the kind of the lot in life you know yeah. to be uh, discontented in some ways I uh, you know I have lots of go-karts and projects and things and redo my sailboat right now like repainting it and re- yeah. fiberglassing things and uh, I think it's like a form of self-torture that I love doing little things like that. And so therefore I have lots of half projects and the half projects kill me. Yeah. Like I just look at my backyard and see my sailboat that needs to be, be sanded some more. And I'm just like, I got to get out there. Yeah. And But I, I, if, there, if there was nothing to be done, I would be looking for more projects to have half done. Like it's, Are you that same way? Yeah. Are you the same way? I, I feel like that's the way I am. Like I have a real hard time with vacations because it's like, yes, I want to go on a vacation with my family and spend time with them. And it's not the part about spending time with my family, but to just sit somewhere and do nothing on the beach, you know, I'm sure maybe I'll take a little nap. That would be nice, yeah. you know, but I just find that I get so antsy, like when there's nothing to do. And I don't know if I was always that way or if I've just been trained after six years of self-employment to be that way, but yeah. I can't just ever stop and do nothing. Well, you know? we just got back from Costa Rica. We spent uh, almost three weeks in Costa Rica and uh, I didn't uh, open my laptop the whole time. And most of the time we didn't really have internet. Yeah. Uh, but the way I kept myself entertained was we rented a car and we would drive around during the day, like you know, a couple hours a day. And we would go exploring around Costa Rica and I would get out and try to talk Spanish to people. <laughs> and so I'd like try. So like while I'm there, I'm trying to learn Spanish. 
Right. Right. And I'm also trying to figure out like all the stuff in Costa Rica, like, ooh, where should we eat? What about this? Where is this? Have you seen that monkey? Let's go over here. All right. Yeah. So I'm having like I I can't stop learning. Yeah. Is the problem, right? And the business is I can turn that business switch off. It's hard, but I can mm. turn it off. It takes me a few days, but uh, but I have to be put for a vacation. I have to be put in a place where I can learn something else. Like, yeah, you you have to go drop me off somewhere where I have to go learn something. Yeah, are you a big reader? Um, it, I go in spurts. Uh, I like audiobooks. I because I, I go on a walk every afternoon for about thirty five minutes. I'll just do audiobooks then. Um, but I'm not a big uh, no. I'm not a big reader, which means I'm not very smart. <laughs> well, no, I just meant that like you, you know, you seem like you know you do the lamps and you're making the go karts and you're building the sailboat and you know you just seem like like you just described your vacation. You know, someone who when you say you're always learning, yeah, you're you're kind of always like seems very physical is what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm certainly reading because I'm always on the internet reading certain, you know, how, how to's and things like that. But I'm not reading like in the sense of like, I haven't read lots of literature. Like, like the difference between me and you is, is that I, I, we would probably, I would spend all my time on the internet figuring out which go-kart is the best one in the world and then go buy that one. And yeah. you would spend your time on the internet figuring out how to make one and then go make it. Uh, but but in the meantime, I would buy all the wrong parts, and I would screw up really bad. And I'd be, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a part of like go kart forums now, and you know, and so I'd screw it all up first. And then by the time we spent the same amount of money and the go karts, you having your nice new one, right? I would have my raggedy junky one. I don't know though. I, I would envy your experience though. Yeah. I mean, because I, I feel like you would have a story and you would have an experience, and I would have a purchase. So my, yeah, you know, my 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 story is full of frustration. Yeah, yeah. It's all you know. I, I'll give you a great example. I'm learning how to do uh, home brewing and home distilling and stuff like right now. Yeah, and I bought a whole bunch of bottles. Uh, <laughs> I bought the wrong bottles, Adam. I bought <laughs> seventy dollars in bottles for my my hard peach and uh, uh, strawberry cider, but these are the wrong bottles. <laughs> So I'm having to send those back or keep, I don't even know. But that's kind of the thing I do. I just kind of buy the wrong stuff and I learn as I go and make all the mistakes. And then I'm like, now I know how to do home brewing. Right. Well, so that's- like, is this the kind of stuff like when you, when you finish work and you're done with work, I mean, you, you don't sound like the kind of guy who goes and sits down on the couch and watches TV. Like, or, or do you immediately just move into some other sort of activity, whether that activity is taking care of your kids or doing something like that? or some sort of hands-on like it just your story seems like it's filled with like just constantly doing new things uh i oh yes i um this weekend although i did watch three movies this weekend uh which is rare i I'm usually i usually am doing something yeah uh, like today i have to go figure out why my dad's our our boat's leaking gas <laughs> Because uh, I found that out yesterday when we took the boat out, I was like, "Oh, there's gas everywhere." It's just so weird. It's like you don't you don't strike me as someone who ends up in software, who ends up sitting at a desk. I mean, like um, I know people like you, or at least people who seem like you know, you just seem like a very hands on kind of guy. What is it about you know sitting at a desk? I would think you would hate that. Uh, I, oh, side story. This is classic side story for me. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm literally at Publix three months ago. And I see my Latin teacher from high school. Yeah. She's coming out. And I took four years of Latin. I took AP Latin. I, I mean, I thought I was a smart kid. She comes up to me and I say, hey, Miss Hazard. She says, hey, Alan. We start chit-chatting. And she says, so are you living at home? 
And I'm like, <laughs> where did the <laughs> So that's the expectations most people have of me. Nice. <laughs> I'm a 34 year old living at home. Right. Uh, <laughs> so nice. Yes, it's either Alan's gonna be a PE teacher or a bouncer at a bar or uh, definitely not software. Either way, uh, living at home, yeah. So, yeah. so how did the software, yeah, exactly. So like I said, do, do you, um, you know, obviously you like it enough to keep doing it, but um, um, yeah, I would never picture you like enjoying, let alone like professionally sitting yeah. at a desk. Well, I love design. Like I, I love, um, I love marketing. I love design. Um, you know, I know I, I took classes in Photoshop. I was going to be a graphic designer. You know, so I love, I love uh, creative stuff in general. But I, the thing I like about the web is that you can, you know just undo things and redeploy yeah. them. There's a, when you're welding things, uh, it's really hard. And What's then, the, what is the enjoyment in that? Like, tell me welding? like what, well, just like what you said, you know, like it's, it's uh, creating a website and creating a go-kart is both creative work, yeah. but they're different. You know, one, like you said, you know, when you're welding things and, and trying to, you know, think about how to put this go-kart together, it's different than when you're thinking about how to put a website together. Do, do you enjoy one type of work over the other? Uh, I like how quickly you can build website type things and how instantly you can undo the mistakes. Yeah. And how fast you can find information and you're all sitting in a chair in the AC. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> I love uh, the thing about building anything, woodworking, metalwork, any of that sort of stuff is it's permanent. Uh, and permanent in the sense that, you know, I could build something. I'm, I don't have any idea that my kids are going to you know, pass down my go-karts. But, uh, you know, a <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Is, it's more permanent uh, than, you know, I built tables and things. And so that, those are more permanent than the web. You know, those can be used for 20 years. And the web kind of, you know, websites look kind of dumb and ugly after about a year. It's not very permanent. There's no legacy in it. Um, and then, oddly, maybe this is like weird SNM thing. But, like, when I get burned or something when I'm, like, welding, I'm always like, Ow! Yes. <laughs> you know, or like, you don't know, like when you're grinding something, like sparks are going everywhere. I'm just like, no there's something about like uh yeah. going to the gym or or like when i used to live in california like the hikes were amazing because yeah. of the sierras and stuff and there's just there's something about like do, and doing the kind of work that we do and um a lot of content people do which is a lot of indoors sitting at a desk writing yeah. that kind of thing or podcasting whatever um there is something exhilarating about, you know, like doing something that's physically taxing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When I, I built a backyard office this summer, I had, I had a couple helpers, but uh, it was like four weeks of like, I think I worked a little bit on our stuff, but I had pretty much four weeks off. And uh, I, I, I was hard labor for four weeks. I'm talking about, you know, up on a ladder, two by fours, nailing things. And by the time I got done and I sat down at my desk and I was like, Oh man, this is nice. <laughs> Sitting here, no sun beating down. I can get water whenever I want to. This but, is great. but it seems like you probably, I don't know, like you you wouldn't be happy with just one or the other. Like like you need kind of both things. I need the variety. Yeah. yeah. My dad my dad's the same way. Like he has three car washes, but he's constantly changing things and and the thing about the car washes, you have to be a master of like 
customer service, marketing, all the equipment and hydraulics and sewage, but also dealing with the city. And it, it's just as, so you're constantly having to learn new things. And that's what kind of keeps keeps them entertained. All I know about car washes is from uh, Breaking Bad, the TV show. So, yeah. I, so, so now I just assume every car wash owner is a money laundering front, yeah. basically. So. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> that's probably why my dad has a shaved head and a goatee now. <laughs> Does he really? No, no, no. I was about to say, oh my goodness, that would be hilarious but um yeah man i don't know do you did you ever get into the like see my uh, i don't know i've managed all my extracurriculars uh, have managed to all none of them be physical but um like for me the the release or the other side of things is doing like music stuff like i've yeah. always been in bands and things like that like did you did you go down that road ever I took guitar lessons growing up, and was forced because I was homeschooled to play, take guitar lessons. Yeah. And uh, when I was 15, I had a Fender Stratocaster. It was like cream colored and white. It was like the same one they had on Wayne's World. Yeah. And I was like 15, and I smashed it on the ground for fun. <laughs> That's what kind of little jerk I was. I bought it. Wow. When I was, you know, but no, I have a couple guitars now. I I think everyone has like a hidden or secret desire to really want to be able to sing really well. Yeah, uh, and I want to take voice lessons at some point because um, I want to be able to just like. I do too. Sing. No, yeah. that's that's like yeah. my secret. You're right. Everyone, maybe everyone does. Like I always, I've been in bands my whole life, play a ton of different instruments, but I could never sing. And even though like my whole, f- I come from like a family of people that sing, I just was always so embarrassed and I could never do yeah. it. And um, but yeah, that's like my, yeah. If there's something, if there's one thing when I look at my future, it's like. If there's something I could learn to do, well, there's hands. There's a handful of things. But one yeah. thing I'd love to do would be to actually be able to sing and not be, not and and it not be uh, terrible. Right. I really just want to be able to sing uh, "Kiss by a Rose" by Seal. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I I, I would love to see you. Yeah. Not not I don't want to hear it. I would just love to see yeah. you sing that song. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so what's what is uh I, I don't know man I mean is. Uh, do you see yourself ever moving on from less accounting and, and, you know, you've got all these different things. And as you said, it is very tempting. There's always like something else glittering, you know, trying to draw your attention away, or maybe you could do this or that. Um, do you see yourself ever moving on? What keeps you sticking with it? At least for now? Oh, well, obviously a paycheck for one. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It's a great paycheck. Uh, and it's good work, and I like the people, and you know, there's very, I mean, my dad owns car washes, and he's he he always tells me like he's always like, you realize the shit I deal with? These people think I scratched their car. I had, this was a five dollar car wash, and they want me to replace their bumper. Their bumpers are a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, so I mean, we I we complain so much about our job. At least I do. You know, like oh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't satisfy me creatively. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. my dad's car washes. He has a master's degree in humanities. He wanted to be a professor of religion. Yeah. And he owns car washes, right? Like, let's talk about how that satisfies him creatively. That's right? great. Why didn't he do that? What happened? Uh, well, my grandfather started the car washes and someone needed to run them. And there weren't, when he came out of college, any openings for professors. And so he just kind of went to car washing. It was kind of the family, the family business. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. If someone gave us a gigantic check, we might, we would probably take it. Um, 
but uh, I will, I'll always have to have problems to solve and, and, and things to learn and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, my problem is always kind of keeping my hobbies as hobbies and not turning them into businesses. Dude, me too, man. It's like I, I can't get out. Having been self-employed and, and done things like that for six years now, like I can't, I, I cannot have a hobby that just can stay a fucking hobby. You know, mm. it's like everything I do has to turn into a business. Like I yeah. can't, I can't turn that part of it off. Like, like what excites me most about things is like, Hmm, how can I make money with this? Oh, you know, yeah. dude, I'm doing this. Solving that now. problem is like, that's yeah. the most fun problem for me to solve. Like how to make money with something. Oh, well, I'm doing distilling now, and uh, I, I can make rum. I made a liter of rum, and it costs like a dollar. Yeah. And I was like, there's such a huge profit margin on rum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, so it's, that's it's, insane, though. So yeah. soon there's going to be a uh, – so, soon, um, uh, you know, your kids are going to have uncles who – Car wash, master's degrees, CPAs, liquor store, accounting yeah. software. Well, you know. we joke about liquor store, but if you really think about businesses, what business never goes out of business? It's exactly, liquor stores never go out of business. I, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, though, that's really true. I mean, yeah. I imagine probably like Krispy Kremes and liquor stores are the only yeah. things that just are never gonna, never gonna run out, run out of customers. And once in a while, you'll see uh, a pawn shop go out of business once in a while. Um, and then re- I'm not talking about high end strip clubs. I'm talking about the crappy strip clubs. They never go out of business either. Yeah, you gotta that's, have that's the, interesting. You gotta find strippers with with uh, track marks on their arms <laughs> and and C section scars. Oh my god! Oh, oh man! Uh, you just I, you're the first first gently mad guest to literally just make me shiver. So, <laughs> you just did it. So so when is the Allen Branch uh, liquor store rum rum operation gonna open up? Uh, it's not making liquor is uh, hypothetically because it's illegal. It's very hard work. It's a lot Hypo- of work. Hypothetically, yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, it's a lot of work. I've been told, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it's also you can like poison yourself. And yeah, you can also explode while you're doing it. So it's, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's been a fun hobby. Like convincing my wife, like, hey, listen, uh, I knew you could buy this at the store for like ten dollars, but I want to make it. I want to make it. Yeah. Is there anything you do that you don't make? Uh, oh yeah, dude. I don't. You know, I don't make that much stuff. You're making me sound way cooler than I actually am. I'm not that cool. You I, make I, a I, lot of stuff, and you're about to. Now it's bees. So what? what now why the bees? Uh well, well there's a bee shortage in around the world like bees are just dying and they don't know why. Uh, I, I think I think that was just in a movie, man. No, seriously, the bees are there's a bee shortage. No, I'm serious. Yeah. That was an M Night Shyamalan movie. Well, this is a fact, dude. That bees are dying. And they don't know why. They don't have this radio wave. So currently, California has a real big bee shortage, and people are shipping bees on track, like on semis, on the in hives out to California to give them. Some so, coverage. So that is your reason is that, that that there's a bee shortage in the world and you're gonna try to replenish <laughs> no. that? Quit trying to make me sound so foolish. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing bees because uh, I want to uh well it's one of the world it's like the oldest hobby in like in the world. One. Yeah. yeah. And two, my great grandfather was a beekeeper. And I thought that was interesting. And then three, my aunt wants to learn how to do it with me. 
And uh, it just sounds kind of fun. You know, my wife won't let me get chickens or goats. And so bees. <laughs> and there's an element of danger to it, right? So it's like bees. It's not like it's like they're, they're bees. Have you ever seen My Girl? Dude, yes. The fucking dies from bees. I know. Exactly. My Girl, like, uh, really, man, it caused me a lot of problems for a few years. That's so, cool. So, um, I mean, do you plan on, like, harvesting, like, honey and stuff or... Yeah, totally. That's like the whole point. Uh, there's actually a new hive that's out that just came on Indiegogo. It's like the biggest Indiegogo project they've ever had. And uh, it's supposed to make, it might change all of beekeeping. So you heard it here first on the Adam Clark <laughs> podcast. It's like a flow hive, that's what it's called. And huh. uh, it's supposed to make like all um, beekeeping and stuff, the processing of honey really easy. It's at $4.3 million now. Wow. And uh yeah, and uh it's it's supposed to make it like it may make it's like the first innovative thing in beekeeping in like you know a couple hundred years. That's crazy. Uh, so it may like make it where everyone has bees in their backyard because it's so, so easy to get the honey out of it. You literally just turn a knob and it just starts like pouring honey. That's 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 unbelievable. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'm always I'm always blown away by those. Um you know, you go to those Kickstarters or those ones where it's like, you know, they turn it on and then two days later there's like three million dollars in there. Yeah. It's like how do they do that, man? I don't it's know. Like, we gotta figure out how to do that. I, I need to yeah. That's I'm gonna what do I'm a sh- beehive that has a Bluetooth enabled uh, <laughs> with a with a, with a bee app. <laughs> And then never watch the thing. You should, man. I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like that. That I'm not. I'm surprised that that doesn't exist. I'm surprised that there isn't some like some corporate video of a guy talking about this app that lets you control your bees and and with a straight face. Yeah. Well, there was a there's a a suitcase that came out like Kickstarter the other day, and everyone was talking about it because it has like it connects to your iPhone app and like will text you if it leaves your side or some shit. Everyone's like, oh, how cool is this? I'm like, we don't need an app for a fucking suitcase. I know. I, like, I don't know how some of those videos people, I don't know how they make them without with a straight face. I, don't, I don't understand it either. I, I don't need another app on my phone. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't but, get it but if you come up with a good idea that we can put on Kickstarter, I'll make the video and we'll split the profits. Hello, vaporware. <laughs> Never launch nice. it. <laughs> Nice. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for indulging me here for an hour. This one was fun. This was this one wasn't. Most of my conversations are all heavy and like, what's the meaning of life and what's the purpose and all yeah. this stuff. And I needed to get you on here to just you know laugh for a little bit and, sure. and talk about you know ridiculous things. Absolutely. I'm not saying you're ridiculous. Well, but... thanks for telling me ridiculous. <laughs> And I like when you said, uh, do I read? Because that, that's always a, a loaded sort of question. It's always like, no, like think I'm stupid. I was like, don't read. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that in the same way that your eighth grade teacher asked if you still lived at home. Um, I just meant, you know, you seem like a very hands like because for me, I'm I'm the same way as you. Like, I, I feel like I could never turn off the learning part. Like, I've always got to be learning something. But the way I primarily do that is by reading and um, stuff like that. Like, I'm a huge reader, whereas it seems like you primarily do that by just going out and buying some tools and see what happens. Yeah. You well, know? if you like to read, you, I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook uh, Nick Offerman's uh, How to Build a Canoe or something, Build Your Own Canoe. Yeah. Nick Offerman's Ron Swanson from Parks right. and Rec. Yeah. It's, it's not like you think it would be like Ron Swanson, but no, it's a great 
audiobook about building things and life and all sorts of cool stuff. It's fantastic. That's awesome, man. Yes. That's my yeah. recommendation. So are your kids enjoying the go-kart? Uh, yeah, we haven't, it's been too cold to have it out here lately, but my buddy came over the other day and was like, let me see this junky little go-kart you got. So I cranked up my go-kart and he was scared. He got and he's like, dude, this is too fast. He's like, this is dangerous. I'm like, I know. It's <laughs> You're like, that's the point. Exactly. Yeah, I have a straight pipe on it. So it's just like, blah, 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 around the neighborhood. That's so it's funny. Like, I awesome. would be, I would be so annoyed if you were in my neighborhood because I'm here trying to record podcasts. And oh, it'd yeah. be, it'd be, what, is it louder than a motorcycle? Uh, it's way more annoying because it's just like, it sounds like a, you know, a lawnmower with a straight pipe on it. You know, it's 35 miles an hour. We only run it for a few minutes and then put it out. We don't run it for hours and That's hours. hilarious, man. No, yeah. my, my, I have, uh, I have girls and they, they want those little, um, uh, what do you call them? They're like the little, uh, they're electric powered, like Barbie, they're yep. pink electric powered little Here's mini Jeep or something, you, you know? You can double the battery on those things. And then you, then the problem is the wheels spin too fast and you can, you can uh, screw in little pieces of rubber on the tires or little strips, like bike, just cover try, all bike tires. to tell me how to kill my kids. No, get them helmets. We have helmets. I'm not, I'm not trying to be ridiculous. I'm trying to, you know, your kids will love you. Just put little rubber strips on them and then you can just Google, uh, go to YouTube and search for like, you know, big wheels or hot wheels or whatever those things are called. Yeah. Like, like alterations. Or Mods. Super, you know, oh my God, dude, these things go like those things will go 20 miles an hour. Dude, that's, that's ridiculous. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Even though now for the first time in six years, I do have insurance. I'm, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to soup up my daughter's Barbie, uh, Barbie four wheeler. So how old is she? <laughs> Um, well, my oldest is seven and the youngest just turned six. Perfect ages. Mine are eight and seven, eight and six. They'll love it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. The coolest dad in the neighborhood. That's the, that would be true. Yeah, that is true. Currently the coolest dad in the neighborhood is the one who took out his lawnmower and we just had a snowstorm and drove Uh all the drug, all the kids in a sled around the neighborhood. So, oh, that is a cool dad, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't me. So I've got to, I've got to do something to regain the title. But I believe in you. Anyway, man, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate yeah, it. Anytime. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Alan, for coming on the show. And thanks to Harvest for sponsoring. Go check them out at getharvest.com. As I said in the intro, all the links and stuff we talked about are in the show notes at avclark.com slash 53. And as I've been mentioning the last few episodes, I've got a new show launching soon called Irresistible Podcasting. It goes along with my course a bit. And if you're into podcasting, Head over to avclark.com slash ask and leave me a question and it may be featured on the show. I'd love to answer your question. And if it is on the show, then I will send you some information on how to win some pretty cool gear that I'm going to be giving away when the show launches. That's it. I don't have a lot today. As I said in the intro, thank you so much for the reviews and the constant emails of encouragement. I appreciate that. It definitely makes a difference. Keep them coming. I do read them all. I hope you're having a good week, a good Wednesday, and I will see you on Friday with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.
I don't know. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at? 